Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I've been a lot of places I regretted going, but I've never regretted being in the house of God. Even when I didn't want to be there, it's always turned out to be a blessing. Amen. So I'm glad you're here. And however you got here, whether reluctantly, wearily, sorely, angrily, or happily, I hope that you leave blessed tonight and strengthened and encouraged. That's why we do this, because the Lord knows we feed on His Word. Jesus said, we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You're here to feast on Him and the goodness of the Lord tonight. And so I'm going to give you some goodness. I'm going to give you some good things from the Lord. We're going to start in the book of John chapter 1. There is a, we're getting a new study tonight, and we're going to walk through the Gospels, but we're going to walk through it in an interesting way. We're going to walk through the Gospels uh, chronologically and harmoniously, all right? So we're going to be through these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as I said, we're going to walk through them from the beginning to the end, and so you're going to, we're going to fit the Gospels together as it walks through the life of Jesus, all right? And I think we're going to learn a lot. It might take us three years to walk all the way through this. I don't care. I mean, we've got a lot of Wednesdays, right? I mean, well, i got something to talk about at least for three years. So if you show up for three years, I'll have something to say to you. <laughs> so that's encouraging. But on Sunday mornings... Um, this past Sunday morning, we started the, a series on the family, and we'll, that'll be probably a five- or six-week series. I want to invite you to come and encourage you to continue to come, bring someone with you, and uh, we're, go, that's, that's, we're going to get in some really marvelous things over the next few weeks and really build on some truths from the Scriptures, and I want to say hello to my friend Virginie Garner, who's back home from France. <laughs> Speaking of French bread, there she is. Amen. Welcome home. You got anything to say? Okay, good. You know what? Right quick, though, uh, when, when Pastor Brian was talking about a testimony, I want to just give you an opportunity. Is there anyone here who has a quick testimony to share with us? This is always good to hear what God is doing in someone's life. It's good for you to declare it, that repeating, what is it? What is it? To do again. I like that. All right. Anyone here tonight? You got something? Sure. So God's not doing anything in anybody's life? So. <laughs> That's the obvious conclusion, right? Not that we're terrified to get on a microphone. Amen. It is hot. Thank you. <coughs> come up here. Sam, come on. Thank you. Just uh, wanted to attest, thank you so much for sharing that. And I really do feel that God's been working every single day, but exceedingly and abundantly to the point to where, like, I literally need a TV crew to keep up because it's just so much in one day that I can't keep track of all of it. So I just wanted to share that. I think God's working in everyone's lives because he's definitely working in mine. And wow, like I said, every day it's something and it's glorious. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. That's good news. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hmm? Same? 
How many of you are breathing in here? All right, so our testimony is, thank you, Jesus, for another day, for another breath. Thank you for this great life that you've given us. Amen? This life is a wonderful life in Him. Amen. I thank God for that. And uh, I thank God for my wife and children. They are a blessing to me more and more. How about, how many of you glad you're not in the hospital tonight? Could be there. Hmm? How many glad you're not in jail? Could be there. But you're here. Amen. Amen. And while we're here and while we have this breath in our lungs, we need to expend that energy giving Him praise and blessing the Lord and testifying of His goodness in our lives. Amen. So let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Now I'm just going to read a few verses here and in the first part of Luke, and then we're going to get in, we're going to park in a place that you might not expect me to park, but we've got some really good truths to bring out, all right? I, know, I understand what time it is, and so I'll be brief again. Like I said, I've got like three years of Wednesdays to cover, so we'll take our time. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. God, so the word is a he, isn't it? He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. You know, there's proof of that in Genesis when God said, let there be light. There it was. And God said, let the earth yield uh, 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 herbs and trees, and uh, let there be birds, and let the, let the seas teem with life. So all of this was made through him, the word. Nothing was made without him. Next. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 6. This, oh, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Any Johns here? My son. I'm a John. Any other Johns here? John, uh, his name was John. John means, John means uh, the beloved, beloved. All right, next, verse 7. <clears throat> verse 7, John 1, 7. All right, maybe we're froze up. Okay, this man... I'll read it to you. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He, speaking of John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. It's one of the saddest verses of Scripture, I think, in the Bible. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, who's this talking about? Is this you? If you've received him, it's you. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Notice it doesn't say the ability, it says the right. Gave you the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Anyone believe in his name tonight? All right, then you are rightfully the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. I like the way the Amplified says it, grace heaped upon grace. Grace heaped upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Contrary to my legalistic friends out there preaching heresy, um, who say the grace preachers, they preach grace, but I'm going to preach the truth. Well, let me just show you something. The law came through Moses and grace and truth. Grace and truth go together. You can't separate the two, all right? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All right. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has declared Him. It's really interesting. The word here for declared is where we get our word for exegesis. Jesus exegeted God to us. He explained Him to us. He demonstrated Him to us. No one has seen God at any time, but Jesus who came from Him showed Him to us. It's so good. And now Luke chapter 1. Let's turn over there. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. So Luke is saying, I'm a well-versed man in the life of Jesus, in the story of Jesus. I know it. Top to bottom, frontwards to backwards to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. All right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time together with my family. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be here. Lord, we are here to feast on you. We want to hear from your word. Your word brings us life. Your word is health to all of our flesh. We receive it and all the benefits that come with it. Thank you, Lord, for your living word. And, Lord, we open our hearts now to say, do your work in our hearts tonight. Let your word speak to us, God. Thank you that you deliver us continually through your word, that you fill us with songs of deliverance, God, and that your word is working mightily now. Your word is working mightily now in me. Your word is working mightily in all these that are hearing the word tonight things that we don't know, things that we can't see. But Lord, we know that you love us. We know that you love everyone here that is hearing the word. And you have answers. You have solutions. You have help. You have hope to give. You have strength. You have life. You have understanding here and wisdom. So I thank you that those things, Lord, would be the fruit of what happens here tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's go to, to one more place, Luke chapter 3. This is where we're going to have some fun for a few minutes. In verse 23. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. That's a key way, that's a key phrase here that Luke says. He says it like that on purpose. Being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathiah, 
the son of Amos, the son of Nahum. Anybody having fun yet? The son of Esli. Don't, don't, don't check out yet. All right. The son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Semi, the son, Semi, the son of Joseph, the son of Judah, the son of Joannes, almost, Jonah. Joannes, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmodom, the son of Er. Verse 29, the son of Jose, there's our Mexican friend, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat again, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonan, the son of Eliakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Menan, the son of Mathatha, Matatha, the son of Nathan, there's one I can recognize, the son of David, hey, there we go, there's another one, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon the son of Nashon, the son of Amenadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Jacob, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarag, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaleel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Hey, don't clap. I probably pronounced all those names wrong. Anybody that just might be listening that's a Greek scholar is probably, or, or Hebrew scholar is probably freaking out over what just happened. This genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, this is his ancestry. This is his lineage. It's very important for Luke to write it, and he gives it a great, a great amount of detail here, doesn't he? I mean, we walk through some details here. He lists 77 names in this lineage, this line of the Messiah, all the way back to Adam and ultimately all the way back to God himself in verse 38 that we just read. There's a lot of interest today in Ancestry. Anybody been to Ancestry.com? No? There's a lot of ads on it. You know, you've seen the ads. There's a lot of talk about it. Searching genealogical records, uh, going back to our roots, you know, finding out where we came from, search throughout our family tree to find famous or infamous people in our lineage. It's somewhat of a curiosity, especially in this day and age, to find out who's in your family tree and maybe who has made a positive or a negative, negative contribution. But it's really not much more than a curiosity when it comes right down to it. It seems a bit more recreational. It kind of gives us a story to tell. Or there are some out there who kind of feel like they're looking for meaning in life, you know, and so they, they take it kind of a, for psychological reasons, they, they feel that they need to connect to their past so that they can maybe find more significance. They feel like their lives are kind of just disconnected or aimless, and so they want to bolster up their self-esteem and seem to maybe need to pack their past with meaningful people, which may in turn cause them to feel more meaningful or find meaning. Genealogies to the Jews were extremely important. 
they were not just a curiosity on their part or wasn't some kind of solidarity or, 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 or recreation. They were critical for them. And, and if you read any of the Old Testament, you'll come across them every few chapters. Genesis 5, I think maybe 6, Genesis 11. Just go to Numbers sometime. Uh, Leviticus, uh, Joshua, they're, they're all throughout there. Extremely important to the people of Israel, to the Jews. And because here's why. Here's why it's so important for them. Because ancestry was important and, and it determined one's claim on a piece of land. Um, so that was based upon the allocation of the 12 tribes. You remember you, when, when they began to allocate land to the 12 tribes? You can read that in much detail in Joshua. You can also read some of it in Numbers as well. Ancestry was also critical if somebody uh, wanted to claim their inheritance. They needed to find out if you were the rightful heir through your genealogy. Um, and ancestry is also the basis for establishing taxation. Do you remember what happened when, when uh, Caesar Augustus de decreed, made that decree and that all the world's going to be taxed? And so Joseph and Mary, what did they do? They had to go all the way to Bethlehem. And the scripture says in Luke chapter 2, it says that Joseph uh, went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. As a matter of fact, both he and Mary were there. So they had to go there to pay their taxes. Any claim to priesthood had to be verified through uh, genealogy. But most importantly, one who claimed royalty one who claimed royalty or claimed to be the Messiah, they're going to have to prove that through their genealogy. Their ancestry is going to have to go all the way back to the great king, King David himself. And that's why the Jews kept very careful genealogical records because also of the prophecy of the one who was coming, that the Messiah would come through David. He would come through David. And don't you know that generation after generation, those that were following David, they all kind of kept this sense of hope. Is it this generation? Is, when, our family's got a great lineage yet to be known. The Messiah is coming through our people. And, and it, that is passed down from generation to generation to generation to let them know just how marked and how special and unique they were. The genealogy that we just read in Luke is indicative of how important those records were. He had obviously found access to records somewhere and because it's, it was likely a matter of public record. And Matthew as well. Matthew chapter 1 also has the genealogy of Christ. So no doubt these guys were inspired by the Lord, but they also had access to public records. All right? These things were important to all the people. So you know that they studied on these things, especially Dr. Luke. Well, Matthew, too, being a tax collector. It's very important as part of the credentials of the Messiah. If he is to be verified as the king, then David's greater son who will rule, then he must have a Davidic lineage. It's only... Uh, now, it's not the only credential to being the Messiah, just being of David, because there were many who could trace their roots back to David himself. All right, so it wasn't the only thing. But the thing about it was it wasn't essential. Uh, the only uh, credential, I should say, 
It's only essential if you can't confirm that you are of the lineage of David. Then you're disqualified as Messiah. Then you're disqualified as the king. So this was extremely important for Luke to build this case for Christ and his authenticity as the son of David. Really, what David points to is the humanity, or, or Luke points to is the humanity of Jesus. Matthew gave, gives his genealogy to, to show why Jesus can be legally king. All right? He can be legally king. But Luke through humanity, and I'll show you why. He gives us a lot of Messiah's credentials. Here in, in verse 23 through 38, he gives us his, this, the credentials for his genealogy and shows us why he is who he says he is. And in fact, the baptism uh, of Jesus is listed right before this in Luke chapter 3. Remember Luke three sixteen, John indeed baptized with water. There's one mightier than I coming, whose latchet of whose shoes you're, I'm not worthy to loose. Uh, he shall baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we know that Jesus came and, and John baptized him. Now, this was an amazing affirming credential for Jesus when the Holy Spirit showed up and descended upon Jesus right there when he came up out of the water and a voice boomed out of heaven. I would say that's some affirmation. He's got, he's got divine affirmation, no doubt. God the Father and the Holy Spirit show up big time here to affirm he's the one. All right? So Luke has, has really set this up well. Um, it's, it's important, his ancestry, because it proves that he is not merely a self-appointed Messiah. Jesus isn't some misguided reformer. He's not some want-to-be savior. It goes back to David. It goes back to Abraham. It goes back to Adam. And then it goes back to God at the end. This is the culmination of all redemptive history in this one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. An amazing, an amazing uh, uh, culmination. It, it, uh, all the history of humanity from God, from Adam, Abraham, David, and down to Jesus. He is everything to human history as well as Israel's history. He's the fulfillment of God's redemptive purpose. He is the culmination of all who ever lived. Think about that. When he takes it all the way to Adam and then to God, all of us are connected. The fate of everyone who ever lives is linked to Jesus in this way. Now, claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be the king, claiming to be the savior of the world is one thing, but proving it is another. And that's why, one of the reasons why this genealogy is here. That's why I'm saying it's important. These things are put here on purpose not to bore you for a little while while you're reading. All right, There's a purpose to it from Almighty God. And so Luke is very good at collecting historical proof that Jesus is truly the Messiah. When you go back to Luke chapter 1, we see that this angel comes and visits a man by the name of Zechariah. Y'all remember who Zechariah was, who was the priest and his wife Elizabeth. They're in their 70s and 80s, and, and the angel comes to them and tells them that she's going to bear a son. And this son is going to be the prophet who Isaiah talked about, who Isaiah prophesied of, he would be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and John would be that guy. He would be the one to prepare the way. He's what's called the bridge prophet between the old and the new covenant. Very unique role. Only one guy can do this, and it's John. And, and so this speaks, not only now is, is Elizabeth and Zechariah uh, affirming that uh, this 
Messiah, that he is the real deal, but also Mary herself. Also in Luke chapter 1, you can read where the angel comes to her and tells this virgin girl, you are going to conceive and bear a son by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will redeem his people. Mary, Mary is confirming this as well, as well as Joseph, who had to have an angelic visit. Uh, otherwise, he was going to break up with Mary. All of this, this prophet born miraculously to an old couple would tell who he is. John would later on say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Wow. And then a little later, as Jesus, the baby at eight days old, is being dedicated in the temple, these two other figures show up, prominent, godly people by the name of Simeon and Anna. And both of them prophesied and declared that Jesus was the Messiah. Then you have the testimony of Jesus himself at the age of 12, sitting in the temple saying, I must be about my father's business. So what Luke has been doing is really just amassing all of this evidence concerning Jesus to the fact that he is the Messiah. His genealogy shows that he has a right to that kingdom. He has a right to be king. He has a right to be Messiah because he comes through the royal line that goes all the way back to King David. Interesting. So Matthew has a genealogy of Jesus, so does Luke. But if you'll notice, now we're not going to try to go through comparison of these two books because we don't really have the time. I don't want to bore you any more than I already am. But I want to encourage you to read these things yourselves because uh, Luke in his genealogy goes from present to past. Matthew goes from the past to the present. But Luke's in reverse. So Luke kind of, it's kind of dramatic in its presentation because you wonder, where is he going? Where are we going to end up with this statement, with this genealogy, with this order? And, and I mean, he starts with the grandfather of Jesus and goes all the way back to Adam and God. Matthew does it the other way. But Matthew starts with Abraham. Matthew doesn't go all the way back to Adam. He starts with Abraham. You know why? Because it wasn't important for him to go all the way back to Adam. He just needed to go back to Abraham because all that mattered to the Jews was, is he a son of Abraham? Is he a son of David? So when Matthew opens his gospel, it says, Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. That's how he starts it. And, and he covers three sets of 14 generations. All right? So they're very unique, and there's a reason. See, he starts, uh, uh, let's see. It's kind of interesting. Luke has a, a more universal approach to Christ, going all the way back to Adam and then to God, where it kind of opens it up to all of us, links all humanity to Jesus, and that's really what Luke is here to do, to show us the humanity of Jesus. While Matthew is here to show us the king. The different names in these genealogies, there are some differences in the names in these two records. And this is where I want you to, to hear me for just a few minutes because this, this really opens us up to some fascinating things. In Matthew's genealogy and in Luke's genealogy, we have different names in the records, okay? So uh, Luke traces Jesus' line back to David through David's son, Nathan. But Matthew traces Jesus back to David through his son, Solomon. One is through Nathan, and one is through Solomon. Now, where's Nathan in this? Well, Nathan, both of these boys are sons of Bathsheba. You may remember Bathsheba? 
Remember her story, right? Well, Nathan is David's third son through her. But Solomon's the firstborn. And the genealogy in Matthew goes all the way back to Solomon. So you go all the way back to Solomon through David, uh, to David, and Luke's goes through Nathan to David. And this shouldn't really be any surprise to us because Jesus has two grandfathers. He has one on his mom's side and one on his dad's side. And so on his dad's side, that is his earthly father who adopted him, being Joseph, then he could still, by that right, being adopted through that lineage, can still qualify as king of Israel. But he also has to have the blood. He also has to be of the bloodline, and so through his humanity, he gets from his mother, who's also of David. Isn't this interesting? And so Jesus gets his blood, his humanity from his mother, and he gets his kingliness from his father. That's why these two genealogies are in the scriptures. And, and, uh, and it makes, there, there's a lot of evidence here. I'd love to go through it, but I'm not going to. But from David to Abraham, the genealogy of Matthew and Luke are identical. From David to Abraham, that's a, they say the exact same names. But once they hit David, it splits. It's all different names except for a couple. So Jesus, like everybody here, had two grandfathers. Um, and these two genealogies trace that. One is through Joseph, and one is through Mary. Now, what's interesting is Mary's never listed in Luke's. There's not a woman listed in Luke's genealogy, not one. Because Luke took, Luke took the, old, the old traditional way of genealogy through the male. But he hints to it by telling us of Eli or Heli, which was Mary's father, not Joseph's. Joseph's father was Jacob, all right? So he, and, and, and when he says the supposed son of Joseph... Right there. That's his way, his creative way to get around Joseph to point to Mary without having to state Mary. He's, he's very good at this. I mean, think about it. A virgin birth is a one-time event. You're going to have to get creative. Luke's going to have to figure out how to do this, how to do it the right way, the traditional way, and yet still give credit to whom credit is due. I think he did a fabulous job. Anybody who ascended to the throne got the legal right to the throne through his father, as I said, even through adoption. Wow. So, you know what's interesting, though? Matthew does have females in it. Four. He has four females listed in, in his genealogy. Care to guess who those four ladies are? You would think Sarah would be one. You would think Rachel would be one. Rebecca, the matriarchs of faith. No, no, he don't call on any of the heroes. He picks two prostitutes, one adulteress, and one rejected Gentile. Why in the world does he pick Bathsheba, the adulteress? Why does he pick Ruth, the Moabitess, the cursed Moabitess, if you will? Why does he pick Rahab, and Tamar, who could put a black mark on a piece of coal. Why does he choose these ladies to include in this royal lineage? Why would he do this? I can almost see Matthew smiling as he's writing this out. 
For all you law-loving Jews, let me show some grace. And they are all pictures of His divine grace, His plan all along to redeem us and to be gracious to us. Aren't you grateful to God? They make the lineage of Jesus. This is beautiful. There were all kinds of people who wanted to discredit Jesus. Let's just name a couple of them that you know throughout Jesus' ministry. Who wanted to discredit? Who was always opposing it? Pharisees? Sadducees? Those are the two main ones, aren't they? You want to be a Pharisee. Why? Because a Pharisee is not fair, you see. And you don't want to be a Sadducee. Because a Sadducee is just sad, you see. Constantly opposing him. Constantly ridiculing him. Constantly trying to catch him in his words. Let's think about something for a moment. These genealogies, are they not public record? Isn't it interesting? I, I guarantee this happened. These scholars and these lawyers, these educated men who were refuting him on every turn, I guarantee you one of the first things they did was run down to the local library and start fingering through the genealogy of Jesus of Nazareth. But you know what's interesting? Out of all the things they questioned him on, they never ever, ever questioned his genealogy because they knew. How is it that they could know by looking at the evidence, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary, he is the rightful king, he is the rightful Messiah, and refuse to believe it? You've got to be pretty darn blind. Forget everything else he did. It's in the records, guys. It's in the records, and you still refuse to see it. They never question that. Of all the things they question, just read it. Throughout the entire New Testament, they never questioned whether he was the son of David, ever. They found that out for themselves. They said, well, we're not going to. Nope, mark that off. I know I got an idea. Let's get some money. Um, we're supposed to pay taxes. And we're also supposed to give to God. So what do you say? Well, what are we supposed to do? Render to Caesar? What? And Jesus says, well, whose inscription's on that money? Well, it's Caesar's. Well, then give to him what's his. Give to God what's his. Darn it. thought we had him with that coin. I mean, think about how ridiculous the arguments were. So they really, they really would have wanted to find something in his genealogy, but they couldn't because he is who he says he was. Certainly, 
in all their evil imaginations against Jesus and all their attempts to discredit him and do away with him, they certainly would have searched this out. Wow. Jesus is not only the son of God, he's the son of Adam. He's like us, tempted, tested, tried, suffering, persecuted, hated, reviled, killed. But unlike Adam, when Jesus came, he did not descend into disobedience. He descended into obedience. He left all the glory of heaven and came here to the earth, and he learned obedience, the scripture says, through his sufferings. Every bit of what Adam is, Jesus was that, being fully man in every sense. Anchored in heaven as the Son of God, but anchored in the earth as the Son of Man. God, deity as God, and humanity as man. I love this about him. He's the son of Abraham by nationality too. That's important for us to know because Jesus would be the one who would usher in every promise of Abraham, every blessing of Abraham. He came to give that to us. We learned that in Galatians 3, that it came to us Gentiles, that promised seed who would bring all of the Abrahamic blessing. He's also the son of David, the promised king who would usher in the glory of all that God promised David, son of God son of Adam, son of Abraham, son of David, deity, humanity, nationality, and king. Wow. We learn this in a simple list of names, the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. We're going to be walking through these, as I said, these books chronologically. We didn't, weren't able to get into Matthew tonight, and I'm not going to read all that, but I want to encourage you to do it. Just do your own study on it and look at the parallels there and you see Joseph's line, you see Mary's line without Mary's name even being mentioned. These are important. It's important to read those names. It's important to know where, where he came from. And he connects, Jesus is connected to all of us in that way, that we all come from somebody. We all, and ultimately, we all come through Adam who came from God. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessing on us, your blessing of understanding and wisdom, insight in the Word of God. And I pray tonight, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what we see in just these names tonight, that you are a gracious God. And Lord, you know all of us by name, despite our accomplishments or despite our failures, all of us are extremely important to you. And you do not judge us on the basis of our accomplishments or our failures. No, Lord, you love us because you love your Son. And you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet failing, while we were yet enemies with God, yet while we were yet weak in sin, Christ died for us. Christ died for our sins. Thank you, Lord. And, and you have brought us into this marvelous family, this glorious kingdom, God, where we are citizens of heaven, the church, the body of Christ in the earth. Thank you, Lord who serve the living God, sons and daughters of the King. And Father, I thank you now that, that what Jesus has done for us is continuing today in the earth, God. You've brought us into the world at this time for this purpose because you deemed us important in this time. 
that we have a work to do. We have something to accomplish to continue the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece in the earth, and to see the church built and the kingdom expanded, God. We're now in this lineage. Now here we are. This is our time. This is our turn. What will be said of us? What will be remembered? What will be written down? For every name that's here tonight is all being recorded by you. Help us to remember that and to enjoy the magnitude of it and yet also be in awe of that magnitude. But to also believe this, that you who began this good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Before we leave, if you're here tonight and you're suffering in your body in any way, any pain, any sickness, any disease, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray for you right now where you're sitting. Anything, or, or if you want to sit in for somebody, just raise your hand and we'll stand in for them tonight. Amen. All right, if, so, if, if you are sitting next to someone who has their hand up, please, if you would, just gently lay your hand on them because we believe what the Scripture says, that believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Can I get a good amen? Uh, I'm, are y'all believers? Okay, good. Then something can happen then. Praise God. Lord, we thank you. You sent your word and you healed these. You healed these bodies and you delivered them from their destruction. We continue to stand on your word. We continue to stand on your promise. You paid way too high a price for your people to be suffering in sickness and disease and pains. Surely he has borne our sickness. Surely he has borne our, our disease. Surely he has borne our maladies and our calamities, our griefs, and he carried our pains both physically and mentally so that, Father God, we could be free from all of that. Thank you, Jesus, for paying that price with your broken body so that these bodies can live in wholeness in Jesus' name. We speak to every tissue, every cell, every fiber of their being in the name of Jesus, every part to function to operate at peak proficiency according to how you created it to function, Lord, in Jesus' name. We say weakness, leave these bodies. Fatigue, leave these bodies in Jesus' name. Chronic pains, leave these bodies in Jesus' name. Allergies, leave these bodies in Jesus' name. You don't have any place there. You don't have any right. These are the children of God, and they have a right to this healing power. They have a right. It is their children's bread. It is the children's bread, as Jesus said, healing. And these are the children of God. May they feast on that children's bread tonight. Thank you for it, Lord. In the same afternoon, Lord, that your blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, and we don't have any doubts about that. Stripes were laid on your back for our healing. We can be just as assured of healing as we are of redemption and forgiveness. And so we thank you for that. And we declare it's done because Jesus said it's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for being here tonight again. Bless you. Have a great week this week. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.